welcome. Thank you all. Thank you all for, for joining, for tuning in again this month of October. It is going to be an amazing month. I know it. I know it's not because, um, because the spirit of the Lord has given me that, um, given me, um, he has assured me that it's going to be an amazing word of feast, amazing month of feasting in the word of God. And I know that for some of us, um, we've already been on a journey of consecration. For some of us, we've already been on a journey of waiting even prior to now. And I know that as the word of God is released this morning, the spirit of God will be confirming certain things that he has spoken to us. The spirit of the Lord will be uh, making clear certain things that we have sought after, but maybe we haven't had clarity. The theme for this month is um, the foundations of our faith. And by the spirit of God, he's going to be you know, explaining why he's taking on into the foundations. He's given us that understanding as to why we must build and erect solid, uh, we must erect solid structures by the spirit of God. You know, last month we went through Camp Gilgal and we started to see um, God taking the children of Israel by the leadership of Joshua through a new season, through a new journey, which they may have missed if they were not discerning and if they were not paying attention to the ways of God, you know, and uh, the beckoning of his spirit, you know, and we saw how God took, was faithful and took them through that journey and allowed them enter. And so now we have crossed over or we are crossing over. And the question is, what next? Because that was the question on my heart when you know I was asking the Lord to give us a word for this month. I said, Lord, what next? And he said, it is time to go back to the foundations. Because as I have brought you into this new land, you must remember the things that have kept you. You must remember the reason why you are here. You must give um, um, substance to your salvation. You must understand why you have been called to run this race. You know, as much as we are a body and we are, you know, um, the church is a corporate gathering, we are individuals. And it is each and every one of us standing, you know, at our watchtowers, each and every one of us taking our places, you know, in authority in Christ. That is what gives strength to the body when we all come together. So each and every one of us must grow. Each of us must be built up. It is time for us to shift. Every time is a season for us to shift and transition. But so much so now, God is telling us the foundations matter so much. The foundation matters. And if the foundation is destroyed, what will the righteous do? So the Lord is reminding us or rather his spirit seeks to remind us of our foundations in him and then he is showing us what we must do with what we already have you know and i trust god that in the process in the in the process of the teachings in the next seven days um, by the time we get to Sunday, we would have arrived at a full perspective you know or a greater perspective of what the how the lord would have us go further in him and journey further in him so i'm trusting god for an amazing time um it is a time to fast it is a time to pray it is a time to seek the lord it is a time to walk out your salvation with fear and trembling like never before so it is a call to each and every one of us to arise you know like i said on the last prayer ring call hold yourselves accountable find people to hold you accountable it is seven days of waiting on god in prayer and fasting whatever you must do you know to um, um to stay in god do it not just for seven days and the reason why we do it even more now is because where it's not just practice or religion it is culture that we want to imbibe the culture of journeying in god the culture of waiting on god the culture of seeking the face of god amen praise god so this morning um i have my brother here with us um he'll be bringing the word of god to us um Pastor Uche Kadmos is going to be teaching 
um, and just starting this series of um, of prayers for the month. And um, I'm just trusting God for a, an, an amazing time in his word. So, um, Brother Uche, you're welcome. Um, thank thank you. you for joining us this morning. Thank you. Good, good morning. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Good morning. morning. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor Steph. Um, I appreciate your your call and thank you for for giving me the opportunity and the privilege to to share just a few things and um, welcome everybody to to the month of October to prayer rain this month and um, as the Lord has instructed um, he wants us to talk about foundation he wants us to go back to the foundation and and um, I, I had just finished a teaching, a series of teaching on the foundational doctrines of Christ. And all this is unbeknownst to, to um, Stephanie. And um, she is, uh, she just, we talked earlier today and she was just talking about, you know, all, all this stuff. And, and we began to, to have fellowship and to share. And then um, everything just came and began, you know, began to crystallize. So, so the first, the first thing we want to talk about, first of all, today is uh, what is a foundation. And um, if you hear the word foundation, the first thing that comes to your mind is a building. You know, a building. When you talk about foundation, you're talking about a building, construction. That something is being built, something is being constructed, and the foundation is the most important and the most vital part of the building process. And it's not just anybody that is given the task of laying a foundation. It has to be a skilled master builder that is given the task of laying a foundation because the foundation carries everything pertaining to that building. How high, how big, how strong, how durable the building will be is dependent on the solidity of the foundation. And so the foundation can be looked at as a base, as a platform, as a beginning, as a basis, as a footing, or a starting point. And we, we understand from the scriptures in Matthew chapter 16, and upon, from verse 18, you know, prior to that, Jesus had been talking to the disciples and he had asked them questions. He says, um, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they gave all the different answers. Some say you're this, some say you're that. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're, you know, the prophet, this or that. And then Jesus looked at them and said, who do you say that I am? You know, who do you say that I am? Now it's becoming personal. Who do you say that I am? And then Peter stood up. And he spoke and he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood had not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. It says, thou art Peter, thou art Peter. His name prior to now was called Simon or Simeon. But he said, thou art Cephas, Peter, rock. And upon this rock, Meaning this rock, this revelation, this apocalypsis, this unveiling of 
who I am. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Now he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So this, the, 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 the foundation, the cornerstone of the church is the revelation of Jesus as the Christ. Jesus as the Christ. That is the foundation. That is the centerpiece. That is the most important foundation, the cornerstone of the foundation. You see, God is building his house, his own building, his own body. Uh, in Psalms 102 and 16, and then Psalms 147 and 2, we see where it says, when the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. And then in 147 and 2, it says, the Lord is building Jerusalem, gathering together the outcasts of Israel, you know, healing the broken heart, binding up their wounds. You know, he is building his church. See, the church is the house of God, not like our houses made of bricks and stones. The house that God is building is like what our bodies is to our spirits. So what God is building is a house for himself. God is building his own body, a body that he will live in by his spirit. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it talks about this. Where it says, oh, sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2. I said 2 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, it says, you also as living stones, you also as living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's the NIV. And if we go back to um, so Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2 shows us that from verse from verse um, 20, that we are God's building. Let me go to Ephesians chapter two real quick. Um, verse, say from around 19, this is now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the households of God, the household of God. You know, God's own house and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into unholy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the spirits. So you see that God, this, the, the church is not just, you know, uh, um, uh, the body of Christ because there are two, 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 um, two, two imageries that the Bible uses to describe the church. Number one is a building and number two is a body. 
you know, in First Corinthians chapter 12, you would see that when you see when it talks about the body is one, but it has different members and all the different members are contributing to the, the wholeness of the whole. But here we see that this is in the, in the, in the context of a building, a construction, a house that is undergo, under construction and the foundation is being laid. And he gives us specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, how this building is coming about. And in verse, in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it begins to talk about that we are, for we are laborers together with God. Now, when he's talking about we are laborers together with God, he was speaking about himself, Paul, and Apollos, because if you look earlier in the scripture, he was talking about, he was berating the, the Christians in Corinth about um, why they were having schisms and saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos and all that. So he begins to teach them that well, who is Paul or who is Apollos? They were merely hirelings. We are merely hired helps. We have been given grace. The dispensation of grace has been given to us. We are stewards of certain graces that have been given to given to us by God for the purpose of building the church. Remember in the Old Testament. Remember in the Old Testament because everything that we see in the church mirrors something that God has already established in the Old Testament. What we're seeing is what, what the Bible teaches us from Hebrews in, in chapter 9, how that the, 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 the sanctuary God told Moses, he says, see that you build what I'm showing you exactly to the specifications and the dimensions that I've given you that you have seen in the vision. Make sure that this thing that you're building that I'm ordering you to do is done according to specific directions that I give you. You just can't build anything you like. You just can't do anything you want. It has to follow the set pattern. It has to be according to my specific directions and instructions. So we can't just do anything we want to be accepted because it shows us in the book of, in the book of 1 Corinthians how God builds his house. You say, who then is Paul in verse 5? Who then is Paul and Apollos, but ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So that neither is he that planted anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that gives the increase. Now he that plants and he that waters are one, but every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another build it thereon. But let every man take heed how he build it thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. It says, now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. 
If any man's work abide, which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You see, so this, this, is, this is, he told Moses that to build the tabernacle according to a set pattern. And in Hebrews, we see that the pattern that Moses was building was based on the real thing, which is in heaven, wherein Jesus Christ as our forerunner has entered in to that tabernacle not made with hands and ministry in that sanctuary that is not made with him. So we see that God always does things by showing us the pattern. He shows us the pattern and then he gives us and tells us that these things that you see, that you make a replica of, the real thing is in heaven. And so what we're seeing that what we're doing is when we're doing the Lord's work and, and working he has specific instructions and specific directions on what to do and how to do it. And no matter how good our intentions are, if we do not follow his directions and his instructions and his specifications and dimensions for the building of his house, guess what? We will suffer loss because the work will be tried by fire. And if any man's work, whatever he builds upon, because you see, the, the, a building not only consists of bricks and, 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 and concrete, there's wood, there's electricals. And so he's telling us that the apostles and the prophets are the ones that are responsible for laying the foundation. But then he gave the ministry gifts unto the church. He gave gifts unto men according to Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11 and he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors you know for the edifying for the building up of the body of christ so the house is being built up but the foundation the specific responsibility that is given was to the prophets and the apostles to lay the foundation so that foundation is settled now if any man, let every man take heed how he builds thereon. So every other gift, every other worker in the house of God that is building must build upon those foundations. So what are the foundations? What are the foundations? He gives it to us in Hebrews chapter number six. Because he tells, he begins to talk about things. He said, I want to teach you some higher things but you can't handle them. And it's the, same, it's the same thing that led him to this discussion in 1 Corinthians chapter three, where he says, and when I came unto you, brethren, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. You see, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, because there's still schisms among you. You still think that you belong in separate bodies. You still think that you, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, and then he's telling you, like, who do you, what do you think is going on here? You think this is a game? You think we are playing games? And so in Hebrews chapter 5, he begins to talk to them about Melchizedek in, chapter, in verse 10. 
He talks about Melchizedek. He's, he's establishing the superiority of Jesus Christ throughout the book of Hebrews. In, the, in, in chapter one, he talks about Jesus being superior to the angels. He said, God has sundry, who has sundry times and in diverse manners spoken unto us by the, by the prophets, has in this last day spoken unto us by Jesus Christ, his son, by whom also he made the world. You know, and then he, he explains Jesus Christ, and then he talked about the angels. He talks about the superiority of Jesus over the angels. And then chapter three talks about Jesus superior to Moses. He said, Moses was faithful, but as a servant. But Jesus Christ as a son over his own house. And then Jesus is superior to Moses. And then he talked about, about, about other things in chapter four. And then it comes to chapter five, talking about the superiority of Jesus Christ over the ironic order of the priesthood. He talks about Jesus as superior to the priesthood. And then he introduces the fact that the idea that Jesus Christ wasn't, did not, was not made a high priest after the order of Aaron, but after the order of Melchizedek. And remember, he talked about Melchizedek be, being one without beginning of days or end of life, without father, without mother. And he talks about, about Melchizedek. And he begins to introduce Melchizedek and he says, of whom we have many things to say, but hard to be uttered, seeing that you are dull of hearing. Because wherefore, for the time being, you ought to be teachers. You have need that won't teach you again the first principles of the, of the oracles of God. He says, you have become such as, need, as in need of milk and not of strong meat because you're still dealing with this stuff. And so he goes into chapter 6 with that mindset. He said, therefore. He says, therefore, let us go on to better things. He said, not laying again the foundation. So he lists the foundations. Number one is repentance from dead works. Number two is faith toward God. Number three is the doctrine of baptisms. Number four is the laying on of hands. Number five is the resurrection of the dead. And number six is eternal judgment. These six are the pillars upon which the, the structure of God's house is built. These are the six, the foundational doctrines of Christ. And Christ himself being the chief cornerstone and these foundations, these, these pillars are the weight that bear the weight of the entire building. Now, if you're building a house, you lay the foundation as solid. Is, 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 it has, it's compact and it has uh, the, 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 the technical, uh, um, everything, the details of it is, is well done and the, 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 it's not compromised. And then you put the, the foundations, the pillars, so that the house can go up. You just, just put a foundation and then that's the end of it. You put the pillars and then after you put the pillars, you're building the skeleton of the house now. And then the other workers, you see the apostles and the prophets, they lay the foundation. And these pillars are erected. The other workers begin to frame it out. The carpenters come in, put the windows. The masons come in, put the, the bricks, the blocks, and the, the bricks on top of each other. And use cement to hold them together. The bond, the bonding agent in the house of God, in the building of God is love. 
love is the agent that binds everything together. The love, it says, by these shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And so he, he's building this house and all his other workers are coming in. The ones that are working with rubble, the, the ones that are working with, with hay, the ones that are working with you know, the roofers, the electricians, the plumbers, and everybody is coming in and putting in their own individual effort into rounding out the house. So it's not just a skeleton now, it is being fleshed out. And so all these other teachings, all these other things that the pastors and the and the evangelists and the teachers and all the other ministry gifts and everything else is, is, is carrying out, is actually rounding out the building. So this is the house that God is building. So these foundational doctrines are critical. And when we begin to understand these foundational doctrines, we would see the full picture of what God is doing, the house that God is building. Because he tells us the purpose, that God does not do anything without purpose. There are no wasted moves with God. There are no, no, no idle things with God. If God would judge men for every idle word spoken, you know for a fact that God does not make idle words. No word from God, the Bible says, is void of power. It says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that for which I sent it and prosper in the thing that pleases me. So the, the thing that God is building us, the, 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 how he's building his house, we are being built upon the doctrines, the foundational doctrine. There are other doctrines but these are the foundational doctrines. We have it because he was trying to get them into talking about Melchizedek. There are other things that he wants to expand upon and build upon and expose us to, but he can't unless we are first grounded in the foundational doctrines. And so we cannot go on to better things. We cannot move on to higher things. We cannot move on to deeper things. Understanding and exploring the mysteries of the church, of the body of Christ. He, because he talked about in, in, in verse, in, in chapter six of the book of Hebrews, if we would look at it real quick, um, he talked about, it says in verse four, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of the Lord and the powers of the world to come. These are things that we need to be very conversant with. But we can't get to all these other things unless the foundation is solid. Because these are things that are built at the second floor, the third floor, the fourth floor, and so on and so forth. So these foundational doctrines, repentance from dead works, what does it mean, repentance from dead works? Jesus said concerning John the Baptist that of all men that were born of women, that none was greater than John the Baptist. He was the last prophet of the Old Testament. He came preaching repentance. He came preaching repentance. The, the baptism of repentance was his message. And that was all he did. He did not preach anything else. 
He just came preaching repentance, repentance from dead works. Dead works are those things because in, 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 in Hebrews chapter nine, he talked about the blood of Jesus Christ is able to purge our conscience from dead works. Dead works are those things that we do that we think make it make us acceptable to God. The rituals and the things that we for, we find ourselves getting into. Like if I don't kneel down to pray, God is not going to hear me. Those mindsets and those things, those strongholds, those things that build up where our trust becomes placed in things that we do and not in the God that is behind all of it. Anything that takes our, our attention away from God, anything that we, 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 we trust in outside of God. Sometimes these are, these are good things, not necessarily bad things. These are good things. When we go to church for the wrong reasons or when we become, when we give for the wrong reasons or we do the right things for the wrong reasons, that thing becomes a dead work. And it corrupts our conscience. It deceives our conscience. It deceives our conscience. So the blood of Jesus Christ is the cleanser of the conscience. He said the blood of Jesus is able to purge the conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So repentance from dead works, to turn away from dead works. The offerings that the Old Testament of, you know, prescribed, all those things that they thought that God gave them as a, as a, as a shadow of the real thing, but they began to trust in the shadow and not the real thing. When the real thing came, they chose to stay with the shadow. And God is telling them, no, faith is where I wanted to take you to. Absolute trust is where I wanted to take you to. But no, they preferred to stay in Moses. Moses was a servant. Now the owner of the house has come. You still prefer the servant. It beats the mind. It, it boggles the mind. It boggles the imagination. Like how? So repentance from dead works. And then a faith toward God. And then we understand from the Hebrew, the word faith is emunah. Emunah simply means trust, dependence. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. He trusted God. When God took him outside and showed him the stars and said, number them, and he couldn't. Something clicked in his, in his heart, in his spirit. He trusted God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. So faith toward God. When we turn away from dead works, we get to faith toward God. And faith being the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith being how we know, how we understand, according to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3, that the world were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made from things which do appear. Faith being the oxygen of the spirit world. Faith being the access into the grace of God. In Romans 5 and 2, he says, we have access by faith into grace. So faith 
is trusting in the finished work of God, trusting in the word of God. When God says, I will do something, that's all you need. You don't need to see it. You don't need to, 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 to rationalize it. Just the fact that God says it is enough. And Jesus says, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Because faith is the evidence of the kingdom. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing comes, faith comes from the gospel because to every man is dealt the measure of faith. Every man that is among you. Not just every man in the world, but to every man that is among you is dealt the measure of faith. So faith comes by hearing. And then after faith has come, and we have been brought into the kingdom. He has given us the doctrine of baptisms. Baptisms is different from the, the, the baptism of Romans chapter 6, when it talked about baptizo, the immersion into the death of Jesus Christ. This baptism is different. It's the a, a plural form of baptismos. And it harkens us back to the Old Testament where God gave them the ritual cleansings. In Leviticus, in Exodus, he talked about the different cleansings, how you wash your hand, wash your feet, the showers you take after your, your menstrual cycle or after this or after a discharge or bodily discharge or when you come in contact with a, with a corpse, when you come in contact with a roadkill, with a dead animal, with a carcass of a dead animal, you have to be quarantined, you have to wash, you have to do this and you have to do that. These things were not necessarily and only primarily for public health measures. They had spiritual significance. These are shadows of the real thing. And so he talks about the cleansings. And then John, the apostle John in his epistle, he introduces us to the fact that there are three that bear record on earth. He's talked about the three that bear record in heaven, but then he talks about the three that bear record on earth, the blood, the water, and the spirit. And these are the three cleansing agents for the, for the body of Christ. The fire of the Holy Spirit purifies. The water, the washing of water by the word. And then we are talked about the, 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 the purifying of the conscience, the purging of the conscience by the blood of Jesus Christ from dead works to serve the living God. And after these baptisms, these washings and ceremonial cleansings, we get into the doctrine of the laying of hands. Laying of hands is where we come into the koinonia of the Holy Ghost. The fellowship, the distribution, the partnership, the intercourse of the Holy Ghost. The melding and welding and coming together of the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit begins to indwell the individual believer. As one occupies a house that he has purchased. He bought the house. He cleaned the house up. Now he dwells in the house. So these are the steps. These are the foundations. And after that, we get into, after the, 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 the indwelling and the distribution and the, and, the, and the partnership and the communion of the spirits, we begin to walk into the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection calling forth a newness of life. 
when we begin to walk in the newness of life, where we begin to live, because it is one thing for us to be in Christ, but it's another thing entirely for Christ to be in us. You see, when we are in Christ, we become a new creature. But if Christ be in you, the Bible says, though the body be dead because of sin, the spirit gives it life because of righteousness. And so we begin to understand things like righteousness, all this superstructure are beginning to lay, to be laid on top of this foundational principles. We come into the doctrine of righteousness from the resurrection of the dead. That becomes the second floor, the third floor, and all these other things begin to happen. And then we look at eternal judgment. When Paul said, know ye not that you shall judge the angels? You see, when we come into authority, they say the heir for as long as he's a child differeth nothing from a servant, but he is subject, he's, he's not different from a servant. Though he be Lord of all, he's subject to tutors and governors until there's such a time appointed of the father. So for as long as the child, as long as the heir is an appeals, as long as the heir is not skilled in the word of righteousness, as long as the heir is unable to distinguish between good and evil by exercising and training their spiritual senses, then guess what? They will function as servants. They will be subject to tutors and governors. Life will dictate their circumstances, will tell them who they are. They will not reign in life, say, for they that have received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by Christ Jesus. We go into reigning in life, and then we get to the point where we are judging angels, where we begin to act as viceroys and regents on behalf of Christ. We function in the authority of Christ. We function in the authority of the believer. We have, we wield the sword of righteousness. And then we begin to see how we wage war, how we make war, how we battle against flesh, not flesh, uh, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We begin to set the tone. We begin to set conditions and standards. We begin to reign over territories. We begin to decree a thing and have it established unto us in our spheres of life, in our areas of influence, we begin to establish things by the authority of Christ. These are the foundations, brothers and sisters. These are the things that we must become versed in. These are the things that we must become entrenched in before we can go on to better things, before we can go on to the other things. Because every time God tries to give us something more, there's a resistance. Because some of this foundational stuff has not been dealt with. And so what we can see from God asking and telling us to go to the foundation is because he wants to give us more. He wants to usher us into more. He wants to deliver more into our hands. He wants to bring us into a position a higher place, a deeper place, a more powerful place. He wants to commit more to our trust. And so he's telling us to brush up on these things. 
become versed in it, become solid in it, become strong in it. And then we're able to go out and teach others. Then we're able to see things, the mysteries of Christ becoming revealed unto us. He says, these things have not been revealed. They are secrets that God has that have never been revealed to man. They are things that God has that he has never shown people. In Paul's day, it was true. And in our day, this is true as well. The Bible says about the Holy Spirit that he is the repository of all of God's secrets. He knows the secrets of God. When Jesus said it is not for you to know the times and seasons that God has set within his own power, he says he himself doesn't know. He didn't, talk, he didn't say the Holy Spirit doesn't know. Why? Because the Bible tells us clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that for what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of a man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. It says, now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, side by side, investigating, doing spiritual investigations. You see, there are secrets. Paul said he went into the third heaven. He said, I know a man who was taken up into the third heaven, and he heard words that are not lawful for men to speak. Secrets, deep things that are not legal on this realm. See, and because of the abundance of revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh to keep me grounded. So I don't fly away, I'm, you know, like a kite, I just float away. A thorn was given me. An agent of Satan was given to me to keep me grounded, to remind me that, listen, man, you still have a job to do. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 So we have, we have, we have work to do. And we have, you know, I've taken a lot of the time. I just try to summarize six weeks worth of material for you guys in 40 minutes or thereabouts. And um, um, it, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot to take in. And I, I don't know if um, you all were following and grasping and understanding everything that I was saying, but just the summary of it is God is building his house and the house is, not the house that he's going to rent out, it's the house that he is going to live in. And we are the bricks in that building. And because we know the presence of God, even as, as we cherish and love the presence of God, it is also something to be feared because the presence of God burns impurities. The presence of God burns impurities. If there's anything when the presence of God comes in to dwell in his house, if there's anything that does not meet the specification and the standards of God, it will be burned up. That is one of the characteristics of the presence of God. 
It's not only about the good things, the goosebumps and all this stuff. The presence of God is something to be feared. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so we, this is one of the why we must be careful as we go about this stuff. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Brother um, um, Uchepis, can you just um, go ahead and pray over us uh, before we close? Father, we give you glory. We give you glory, Lord. We give you glory. We give you glory, Father. We worship you. You are God. It is you that made us and not we ourselves. We were made for you. We were made for your glory. We were made for your purpose. We were made for your will. We were made, oh God. We were fashioned, oh God, for you. You made us, oh God, because you had a purpose in mind. You said that now the, to the intent that unto the principalities and powers, might be made known the manifold wisdom of God by the church to show your glory as you once shown yourself strong in the days of old when you dealt with the gods of Egypt and the gods of the Amalekites and the gods of the Hittites when you dealt with them with the children of Israel even now in the realm of the spirit by the church you are making known the manifold wisdom of God as you did it once in the days of old, in the, in the physical, even now by the, by the body of Christ, you are doing a new work, a new thing, a great thing that will bring confoundment to the forces of darkness. It is you, O oh God, the fullness that fills everything with himself. All things are for you, all things are by you, all things are in you, and we are your people. We are your children. We are those who have been called out, oh God, to called out to become yours, called out to be your temple, called out to be bricks upon your house, called out, oh God, to be liberals together with you, oh God. We thank you for this privilege. We thank you for this honor. We thank you, oh God, because you have designed us for your glory. We thank you, oh God, and we ask, oh God, that as we go forth this month, let our lives be pleasing unto you. Let our offerings be acceptable unto you. Let it be sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Let our words, O oh God, be acceptable unto you. Let our prayers be set forth before thee as incense. And the lifting up of our hands be as the evening sacrifice, O oh God. Let our lives, O oh God, serve your purpose. Let everything that we do glorify you, O oh God. Let every waking moment, oh God, be filled with thoughts of you. Let every time we go to bed, let our heart meditate upon you in the night watches, oh God. Because you are the God that fills everything with yourself. We thank you, blessed Father, for the sanctification of the Spirit. We thank you, oh God, for the separation, oh God. 
the separation from the world. We thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We thank you, O God, because we have been separated. Even as the children of Israel were separated unto Moses, they were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the water. Even so, we are separated, O God. There is a final separation from the world. We belong to you, O God. We are holy unto you. We are set apart unto you, O God. We are vessels unto honor. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we give you glory. As we move forward, O oh God, let our hearts be open. Let our minds be open. Let our ears, O oh God, hear. Let our hearts perceive. Let our eyes see, O oh God, and let us walk in it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we go forth, O oh God, let your name be named upon us. Let your power be upon us. Let your glory be seen in us, O oh God. Let us walk as living epistles, O oh God, written by God. Red of all men. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we give you glory, oh God. Amen.